0: its founding in the Willamette Valley of Oregon in 1882, the Benedictine monks of Mount Angel Abbey have carried on the ancient monastic practices of work and prayer. Over the years, as the church's needs, expectations, and ideas about ministry have changed, so has the hilltop. Welcome to the history and tradition of Mount Angel Abbey. With an eye on the future, it's vital to understand the past And here's your host pat ryan to explore this timeless journey and welcome to the second edition of our podcast we're
1: going to be discovering the era of the greats today from 1929 to 1945 covering the great depression and the greatest generation during world war ii and their impact on mount angel abbey joining us again is brother cyril Historian and Benedictine monk of Mount Angel Abbey, and brother, let's get started in prayer.
2: On us, on the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, as we prepare for this podcast, bless the work of Modern Day Radio and Catholic radio stations across the country, around the world, as we he will help us to speak a word that will strengthen the souls of the listeners. I ask you to be with us in this conversation, Amen.
1: Amen. Well, Brother Cyril, it's great to have you back with us. Just to recap where we went with the very first episode of the podcast, we talked about two major fires on the hilltop, and I can't help but think that the adversity of the fires really equipped those on the hilltop for these challenging times around the world.
2: It did. It did indeed. I mean, I I suspect it wasn't welcome, but we were prepared. That's for sure. And so in the, uh, in the late 1920s, we moved into a new building on the hilltop, but we also restarted the, the school. At least we started, we started the seminary. So the seminarians were living on the south side of the 300-foot-long monastery, and the monks were living on the north side. And that, that was not an ideal arrangement for either, too loud for the monks, too quiet for the seminarians. So within two years, they built another building, and then, uh, should we say, peace returned to the monastery, peace returned to the hilltop. So then what we have going on is, in the uh, late 1920s, several developments really that show hope. So one of which is, in the late 1920s, we sent several monks to Europe. We'd sent monks to Europe in the 1890s, after the first fire, and then several monks were sent to Europe after the second fire. So one was... Damien Gentius became a future abbot, James Kessler became a future prior, and then Martin Pollard became a future prior. So really, we were investing in our future. Then 1928 to 29, we're adapting to life in the new monastery, life in the new building, life on the hilltop, and then, of course, the Great Depression hit. That was a crisis of a different form, but one that we needed to adjust to. As you pointed out, we had been hardened, strengthened by our experience with the two fires, and we kept our hand on the tiller. We kept moving forward, hoping in God.
1: As the world encounters this economic collapse, specifically, what was going on at the Abbey during the Great Depression?
2: Abbot Bernard was the one who had led us through the 1926 fire. He was our first American abbot, born in Oregon, and his eyes had been giving him trouble for quite some time, and he ultimately went blind. And he basically came to the clear conclusion, I can no longer lead this community. And so he let it be known he needed to step down. So then Thomas Meyer was elected as abbot. He was born in Iowa, but raised in Salem, and there's actually still Myers in the local area that remember that he's in their heritage. In fact, there's quite a few Myers in this area, I've learned. An interesting thing about him is he's the only monk in Mount Angel Abbey history whose father also became a monk. After his mother died, he moved into the monastery. Yeah. That is, a, that, that is a big surprise. And not just to have a father and a son, that's unusual, but a, a father and then a son who becomes abbot. Yeah, so that, that's a really unusual development. And then um, Abbot Thomas was the one who, he took over guiding the ship of the abbey, guiding us into, into safe waters. At that point in time, the seminary, frankly, wasn't doing so well. The numbers were going down in the mid-30s. There wasn't enough money. There were just lots of different reasons. And so it turns out there's another Benedictine monastery in the northwest from the 1890s, that's St. Martin's Abbey. They started in Tacoma and moved to Lacey near Olympia, Washington. And they began to send their young clerics, in other words, monks who were being trained to become priests, they sent them to Mount Angel for seminary studies. So because we had this other group coming in, it wasn't just Mount Angel Monks. It had gone from being a variety to only Mount Angel Monks, and now we have an increase in number and an increase in focus. So we had to establish a stricter regimen, and that was to the advantage of all. So after World War II, the numbers of diocesan seminarians increased greatly. But in the middle 1930s, we only had two groups of seminarians studying here, Mount Angel monks from Oregon and St. Martin's monks from Washington State.
1: You're listening to the history and tradition of Mount Angel Abbey and our guest, Benedictine monk and Abbey historian, Brother Cyril. Brother, during the Depression, what was the impact that the monks had beyond the hilltop, going out to the world?
2: Okay, I'm going to take a step backward before we take a step forward. So in 1900, Archbishop Christie strongly encouraged the monks to take over a mission on the west coast of Vancouver Island. That's merely like asking, in terms of cultural distance, Asking us to establish a community in West Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how isolated West Coast of, of Vancouver Island was at that point in time. So, we took it over, and the sisters from Queen of Angels Monastery in Mount Angel joined us. So we were there from 1900 to 1938. The sisters were there from 1900 to 1960. So, late middle 1930s, the seminary for the Archdiocese of Vancouver, British Columbia, was not doing so well. And they asked the monks from Mount Angel Abbey to take over their seminary, which is just south of Vancouver, British Columbia. We agreed. What we did is in 1938, we pulled the monks back from the west coast of Vancouver Island, and we sent a whole different group up to take over the seminary the Archdiocese of Vancouver, British Columbia. While we were there, uh, the Second World War broke out. And then what happened is they said the mansion where the Archdiocese of Vancouver had established its school, the monks looked at that and said, this facility is fine as a mansion, but it's not adequate for a seminary. So, So Britain was, of course, in the war before we were. Because of that, the prices of real estate dropped. So we got to buy Lake Front property 10 miles to the east of Vancouver in Burnaby, and we had two houses near the lake and one house up on the hill. The one house up on the hill became the monastery. One of the two houses near the lake became the minor seminary, so that's the first six grades of seminary education, and the other house became the major seminary, the last six grades of seminary education. That ultimately formed into Westminster Abbey, which is now 50 miles to the east of Vancouver, British Columbia. That's our daughter house, our first daughter house. They're doing very, very well. They became independent in 1948. So independent means they're on their own. It's like when a child leaves the house. You, of course, pray for the child, but the child has left the house. So now the child is on their own. And it's the responsibility of the parents simply to pray and give support. And that's that's what we've done over the decades. We still have a good relationship with our daughter house there.
1: On the heels of the Great Depression comes World War II, and its impact globally is probably immeasurable. We're still feeling the effects today, some 80 years later. So how did World War II affect those on the hilltop?
2: I'm going to focus on a number of individuals, because in telling these individual stories, it gives us a picture of what it looked like for the broader community. So, the first one, Father Francis Berger, he died in 1966. He received an award, along with our Father Alcuin Heibel, I will mention later, a very significant award for bringing aid to people in Europe after World War II. He had learned from others. And he basically, he tied in with Father Alquin. He's lesser known of the two, but they both received the same award, which gives an indication that he was working very closely with Father Alquin. Next one is Father Bertrand McLaughlin, died in 1990. He was one who served in two tours of duty as a chaplain, a monk of Mount Angel Abbey, and a chaplain in the U.S. Army beginning in 1943, so about the middle of World War II. So he joined invasion forces. It went to the South Pacific, 1943 to 46. He saw action in New Guinea, not far from the South Pacific, and then in the Philippines and Japan. So he was basically in the, in the, uh, Asian or the Pacific theater of the war. And then he came back to the Abbey for about five years, and then took a second tour of duty when he became a U.S. Army chaplain in Korea from 1951 to 55. So he was one that i I remember, and Father Bertrand was rather quiet and reserved, but he'd also he had gone through a lot. He had gone through a great deal. So among the monks I'll be discussing, like I said, he's the only one who served both as a monk and as a chaplain. The others were joined the military before they became monks. Next one is Father Ignatius Groger died in nineteen ninety one. Before he became a monk, he entered the U.S. Navy during World War II. He served as a pharmacist mate and worked in the South Pacific Theater. And he became a master teacher of English in the Abbey High School when he, when he became a monk, when he discovered his vocation and became a monk. In fact, he was such a master English teacher that he had a certain Gary Driscoll, who became Abbot Jeremy Driscoll, who, who, along with many others, still sing Father Ignatius praises to this day. He was stunning as an English teacher. And Brother Charles Turtek, he incidentally grew up in Skapus. He's of Czech heritage. So in 1942, he enlisted in the U.S. Army. He served along the Burma Road with the Corps of Engineers from 43 to 45, and he loved to tell stories about his experiences there. Later in life, he discovered a vocation, came to the Abbey, and he became a master gardener. He and Father Dominic worked for decades in the Abbey Garden, which if you've been on the Abbey Hill, you kind of the base of the hill and you look straight across, you see a six-story building, the Mount Angel Towers. In between there is a full acre of garden, and they worked on that garden for decades serving the monastery serving the abbey and serving the broader community
1: we're exploring the era of the greats the depression and the world war ii generation here on the history and tradition of mount angel abbey our guest is benedictine monk and abbey historian brother cyril and brother a lot of heroes on the hilltop during world war ii who were some others
2: next one is brother benedict Everly. Of those whom I'm mentioning, people who have been around or know of Mount Angel for some decades probably know Brother Benedict more than any other person, because he became known for working as the manager of the Abbey Bookstore. Soon after the attack on Pearl Harbor, he joined the Army Air Force, and then he served for nearly three years, late '42 to late '45, and was stationed several places in the U.S., and then 21 months in England near Norwich. He said that he recalled seeing German bombers fly headed for sites further inland. And he said on the completion of his service with the staff, the title Staff Sergeant Jacob P. Eberly, he was awarded a certificate of meritorious achievement by his commanding officer who commended him for his untiring devotion to duty and inspiration to all. I assure you, When Brother Benedict came to Mount Angel Abbey, he had no less untiring devotion to duty. Many thousands of people knew Brother Ben, because they would come to buy books, they would come to buy religious articles, and Brother Ben was practicing his untiring devotion to service, and that was what he did in his work in the Abbey bookstore. And Father B. Partridge, he died in 2014... He served in World War II in the Navy, and he used to tell amazing stories from those years. One day, he said they saw a sperm whale surface with a giant squid wrapped around its head. And and they were all pretty well stunned. I think the sperm whale won that battle. Another one, they saw two streamers coming toward them under the water and it was clearly two Japanese torpedoes. They went under the ship. Shall we say Father Beat had quite a number of stories like that. When he became a monk in the Abbey, he taught chemistry in the high school. And then for the latter years of his life, this is when I came to know him, he cataloged books in the Abbey library. We have some 300,000 books in our library and he cataloged a great number of them. So these are all stories of men who developed their monastic life, either before becoming monks or after, but World War II had a significant impact on their formation as monks. And that continued to the end of their life. Some of the stories I think they wouldn't talk about, But those they did talk about gives us a pretty good indication why we call that the greatest
1: generation. Indeed. These were some extraordinary men, Brother Cyril. We are indebted to them. Back stateside, tell us a little bit more about what life was like in the 1940s on the hilltop. Any surprises there?
2: In the early 1940s, a rather famous family came to visit the abbey. They are most well known for, I believe, one of the most popular movies of all time, namely The Sound of Music. Mm. So it was the Von Trapp family that came to visit us in the early 1940s. So I've seen a number of times the picture of Abbott Thomas with the priest, who is the chaplain of the Von Trapp family, another monk, and then the captain and Maria and their children, all there with their St. Bernard dog. So what a remarkable picture all by itself. Well, it turns out in 2015, Mount Angel, not just the Abbey, but the broader community, received visitors from another group of von Trapps, the grandchildren of the captain and Maria. It was the 50th anniversary of the Mount Angel Oktoberfest, and four Von Trapp grandchildren sang Sound of Music, Music, and then other songs, and they absolutely packed the place, as I'm sure will be a surprise to no one who knows of the Sound of Music. So, definitely a surprising story that the Von Trapps coming to Mount
1: Angel. I bet that is quite a picture. I'm Pat Ryan, and this is the history and tradition of Mount Angel Abbey. My guest is Brother Cyril, Benedictine monk and Mount Angel historian. And brother, this is going to be a hard act to follow because I have been so inspired by the stories of the greats. But where do we go from here in episode number three?
2: So the next section is going to look at just after World War II until just before the Second Vatican Council, so about 1946, 1961. We're going to find that we went from having just two groups in the seminary, Mount Angel Monks and St. Martin's Monks from Washington State. After World War II, the numbers grew each year for about a decade in the seminary. The whole picture changed there. Then Abbot Damien was elected. And he became the builder abbot. Under him, more buildings were built than under any other Mount Angel abbot. And one of them in particular is very significant. But we will talk about that. Just give me some teasers here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's there's the cliffhanger.
2: There's the cliffhanger. I always like to leave a cliffhanger. (laughs) Oh, I think I'm going to tie into that podcast.
1: You've got to tune in for episode three now.
2: (laughs) Tune in for episode three. Yes, yeah, we will be looking at Mount Angel Abbey life just before the Second Vatican Council.
1: Well, I look forward to that discussion and I appreciate this one, brother. In closing, could you offer a blessing for us? Be happy to. On the
2: Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we know that cross and resurrection are central to Christianity, central to human life. In this podcast, we have heard numerous examples of cross of pain of suffering and of resurrection lord when we go through times of trial difficulty injustice may we hang our hopes
1: on your resurrection amen amen thank you brother
2: thank you bless you i appreciate these opportunities to proclaim the word
0: You've been listening to the history and tradition of Mount Angel Abbey with your host, Pat Ryan. Join us again as we explore the dynamic past of the Benedictine monks of Mount Angel Abbey in Oregon. We'll return to the hilltop to uncover more stories about their monastic practices of work and prayer rooted deeply in the 1500 year old rule of St. Benedict. The history and tradition of Mount Angel Abbey is produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon.